Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight. And that is my absolute favorite quote. The poet is E.E. Cummings. And my freshman year, my English teacher had this on the blackboard big, and I saw that every single day. And I I think it really, uh, I was marinated in it, shall we say, and I think it worked. So anyway, welcome doo, 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 to the 200th episode of The Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. And I have something different today. Today, I will be interviewed. And it's a little uh, awkward to give up the control on my show, but I trust Kathleen Kent. And so um, I'm going to tell you a little about her in just a sec. Uh, Before I do, remember that other people would probably like this show. So why don't you think about a couple people you can share it with? And also check it out on YouTube if you haven't. And if you subscribe, an angel gets her wings. (laughs) So anywho, hi, Kathleen. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for letting me join you today. Yes. Well, so my friend and coaching client and colleague in the podcasting space, Kathleen, I want to tell you a little about her. Uh, First of all, she's a portrait photographer. She's an English professor. She is a coaching client of mine. So, you know, I thought maybe it would be fun to have her turn the tables and also maybe she'll share a little things that you need to know about (laughs) working with me. Shameless plug. Um, And she also has a podcast called Household Six. So first of all, I'd like to have you share what your podcast is about. Uh, Thanks. So my podcast is for military spouses by military spouses. I'm an army wife of over a decade And um, my friend Margo and I wanted to start a podcast kind of talking to our younger selves, Um, all the things we wish we'd known, all the advice we wish we'd had. So I'd love it if uh, anybody in our military spouse world would check it out. So is there one piece of advice that you would always tell people right off the bat? I think it's important to be bold and um, energetic with seeking out friendships. Um, we move a lot. So it's really, really easy to be really, really lonely. Mm. And um, the best advice I ever got on making friends is from my grandma. And she says, um, look around the room and find the person who looks as lonely and uncomfortable as you feel and go be their friend. And um, that has served me well. So Kathleen and I have something in common. We're both <laughs> preacher's kids. And mm-hmm. in our coaching time that was official, we discovered that there was quite a few similarities. So that was one as well. It was something my, I don't know if it was my mom or my dad, or I just saw them do that. But um, 
Good advice. Oh, and what besides the moving part? What is one of the biggest challenges of being a spouse with a career of photography? Sorry, that was awkward, but <laughs> what's the hardest part of being a professional photographer if you are a military spouse besides the moving part? Besides the moving, because that would have been the first thing I said, just relocating. Um, but I think the second thing is that uh, in our community, there are a lot of hobby photographers because uh, military spouses are painfully underemployed. We have a 27% unemployment rate. And, um, mm. you know, so everybody finds ways to fill their time. So a lot of people will buy a camera and um, have fun taking pictures and not uh, maybe be up for the challenge of making it a profitable business. Mm -hmm. So when I first came to you for coaching, I, I remember telling you one of my biggest concerns and fears was how can I charge this amount of money when this person down the street is charging $50. And, you know, I heard somebody complaining about how this person over here charging a hundred was too expensive. And like, where's there a space for me when there's, uh, someone charging so little, Mm -hmm. on every corner. So how did you overcome that? Well, um, I mean, not how, but what did you discover or what is different? Yeah. Well, what I discovered is there's, there's room for everyone. And, um, what I discovered is that not everyone is looking for the cheapest experience. Mm. Um, there are all these wonderful clients out there who want a professional photography experience. And I even had one client come to me and say, I had already booked with this very talented photographer. She told me it was a hundred dollars. I paid her and I just felt sick to my stomach. I thought there's no way I'm going to get the professional portraits I want for a hundred dollars. She said, so I canceled with her. I let her keep the hundred dollars and I booked with you. And uh, that was the best possible experience lesson because yeah. you'd been telling me up till then that yeah. people wanted professional, they wanted luxury and, uh, that conversation and experience finally helped me believe. <laughs> I believe. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I want to ask a little about your background and then wait, no. I'm not the guest today, Lucy. We already heard your background. <laughs> I'm so excited. So hello, everyone. I'm Kathleen Kent filling in as host for Lucy Dumas. <laughs> and my guest today is Lucy Dumas. Um, I want to say she needs no introduction since I'm sure you just listened to the lovely introduction to the podcast, but Lucy, we get to hear a lot on the podcast about your business now and your interests now. What was the beginning of your career like though? What got you into photography? Mm. So I was, first of all, um, I was always an artist looking for my medium, even mm. like I colored all the time. I drew. <laughs> I as I matured, I painted a little bit. I took ceramic classes and I always had a junky camera that when I could afford to buy a roll of 12 and then process a roll of 12, <laughs> I was taking pictures and then uh I was on a date. It was an out of town boyfriend and he had just purchased a Canon AE1. And he was cute. He wasn't necessarily the smartest or sharpest crayon in the box. Crayons. <laughs> um, and so I read the manual because I always thought professional cameras or 
good cameras were too complicated. And I figured out how to put the film in and it was automated. And the first images that I took out of that camera, it was like, ah, you know, as, as an art. And then I was running a little business in the airport in San Diego, um, exchanging currency, which was super fun and travel insurance. 1982, there was a recession. I lost the contract because I wasn't willing to have a lower, we'll just say commission rate. And the everything just kept pointing photography, photography, photography. I'm sure it's not unusual. Um, the positive thing in what looked fairly negative is I needed money. I needed a career. And so I, it was sink or swim. And the person that canceled my contract said, Lucy, you're going to look back on this and realize this is the best thing that ever happened to you. And she was completely right. Wow. And the other little thing, like a lot of us, I was the editor of my yearbook. I was trying to get in the band being one of those like flag bearer girls that did little <laughs> routines. And I got the mumps and couldn't be at the tryouts. So my brother was on yearbook. And so he he got me in. So all these little serendipities uh, that unfolded just said, this is your career. And it's been just fascinating for 40 plus years. 1982 is when I got my license. So holy cow, been around a while. <laughs> That's really cool to hear. A question that I love asking established photographers is what what did you what choices did you make in the beginning of your business that you stand by that you think were good choices because mm. we all make mistakes right yeah oh no never <laughs> yes, <I do. laughs> um and my my dad was supposedly never wrong and somebody gave him a plaque that said i thought i was wrong once but i was mistaken <laughs> so it is hard for me it's not anymore but the whole issue of doing everything right um is sort of a family legacy. Okay, so what I did right and wrong? What, what you did right first? What, okay. what good choices so did you at make? At first, I explored everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a little um, part-time job. I called, I started at the back of the Yellow Pages, if anyone remembers <laughs> what that is, calling photographers to see if they needed assistance. And... I found some people that needed help with weddings. I found um, a couple of people, both of them were in this program where someone went door to door selling uh, portrait gift certificates. And then they came to the studio, whichever they liked, and had their portrait, had their picture made, they might say in the cell, had their portrait done. <laughs> and um, then they tried to upsell them. And so I took a little part-time job, uh, just like eight hours a week at each one of them, doing their children and booking the bookings and doing the sales. And so I got experience. I learned in studio, it's a lot furniture moving. Mm. The lights were, I couldn't move the lights. So trying to get people at the right heights together and composed well, and comfortable, and then getting the expression, and, and seeing when to click, that is most of it. And then I also learned what not to do, because 
the woman I worked with a lot, um, she just was not a very good salesperson. And mm. I actually sold more per average than anybody else that had ever had that job. Um, I also, I never actually was out on my own, but I, I took a, um, it was like training and I did sales for a company that goes door to door. They had a list of baby of new babies. So they would go to the house, set up a little mini studio and and come back with proofs and folios put together and sell them. And I learned this, this young man was so incredible with babies. He knew like the weirdest noises and things to get their attention. And I learned this one trick to get a baby to look at you. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. Okay. Let's say they're looking over here, right? Mm -hmm. You put your hand here and block their view and they're going to turn and look at you. Ah, works like a charm. Okay, so and Lucy just put her hand to the side of her face like a horse blinder. Exactly. And now I'm going this way. Oh. Uh, noise is good. Um, anywho, so so I in the real in the flesh, I got myself around photographers, and it supplemented my income. <laughs> I also took a a little like a freelance photographer for a magazine that was free called the holistic living news. And sometimes they'd ask me if I had anything in, in my portfolio that they could use for an article. Sometimes they sent me out on assignments. One of them I remember was the macrobiotic restaurants and I was photographing mushrooms. And so I, <laughs> I got a lot of experience in a lot of things. And, and then I realized, oh, and I joined the Professional Photographers of America and San Diego County. And I wish I had joined the county two years earlier. I thought you had to already be making money, but you don't. Ah. At the time, you had to be available for full-time work, which I was. Um, okay. I didn't want to make intros too long, but I guess I'm teaching some ideas here. So <laughs> always self-critical. Um, what was I saying? Uh, I somebody told me that the fastest way to be successful is to pick a lane and go all in. Mm. And I knew I loved weddings. I loved weddings since I was five years old, and my daddy photographed the richest person in town. <laughs> and so the dress and the candles and the food and everything was just like amazing. Uh, but he didn't photograph them, right? You said he photographed no, them. No, I mean, he sorry. Married them. He married them. He was the yeah. officiant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my dad had a little sideline. <laughs> I think my dad wanted to be a photographer, but he wasn't very good. <laughs> but he had a good camera. <laughs> sorry, Dad. Um, anyway, so I loved weddings, and I've always been a baby person. I worked in a children's store. I babysat. I'm always happy around kids. And I could see that weddings were the fastest way to get money in your pocket quickly and abundantly mm. so then i just put the baby photography on the side and did what it took to learn my craft to learn how to sell to create products to learn how to print and um we didn't edit 
we let the labs do that, but to supervise some of the editing, uh, to network. I didn't realize I was uh, the queen of networking until one day I realized, oh, I've made about 10 really good friends in this industry, including some photographers, and they're all sending me work and I'm sending them work. Um, so yeah, that's what I did for 12 years. And so that was one of the things I did. Once I just really got a handle on photography, but I supplemented my income while learning, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of photographers who I know would gladly take on an assistant for free that are natural teachers like I am, like you are. Mm -hmm. And and you can learn along the way and you can um, help someone out and, you know, all that good stuff. Anyway. I think that's good advice, though, to offer yourself for free in the very beginning, because yeah. um, I think we need to know our value. But sometimes we're we're there to gain value because mm-hmm. um, I talked to a. a brand new photographer recently who was saying, I don't know why I can't get second shooting jobs for weddings. And uh, it was because she'd never been a second shooter for a wedding Mm -hmm. or been at a wedding. So So your advice to her was? See if you can assist them and their second shooter for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So one of my favorite things about you is that you're the queen of networking. You brought that up. Um, And I wanted to ask about the ways that you've gotten involved in the photography community. Specifically, um, I know you have a local photographer group there that you've been involved in for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me about starting that, connecting with those people and the value? Sure. So when I joined the Professional Photographers of San Diego County, which is a, I guess, chapter, an affiliate of the Professional Photographers of America, I, as soon as they would let me, and I have to say, and people have heard this before, but it was pretty much a man's world. And I did meet with resistance uh, for some of the people that were in leadership. So it took me a while to actually get on the board. Mm. And when I did that, then I served all the positions. So I was a committee. My first was party planning, which was awesome. And then, um, and then, and if you listen to my last week's episode, although it's actually coming out this Wednesday, but now it'll be last Wednesday because I'm a time traveler. <laughs> um, and then I got to be the print chair and I learned a lot by that job. And then I got to get the speakers and then I was president and then you stay on for another month or another year. Um, and so that the experience develop my leadership. I and and the bragging rights of saying you're president of an organization or you're vice president um, or the value of of helping arrange print competition and seeing all of those and getting them ready and then listening to the judges and learning from that. There's just there's all kinds of levels of learning that you can't really quantify. So then I think you might be asking about this group because there were a lot of things that the the teachers, what happens with um, the local chapters is there's monthly meetings. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be speakers from everywhere. 
And I would ask them questions or I'd hear them speak. And a lot of the things they said weren't uh, viable for a woman. I asked so many people, what do you wear to a wedding? <laughs> and they'd say, a tuxedo. I'd say, yeah. what would you wear if you were me? And they'd say, I don't know. <laughs> and the other thing is there are some people who don't always tell the truth about their struggles. Mm. I think it's especially hard for men. Uh, probably not the ones listening here. You guys are all open and share everything and <laughs> can cry like we do. But Yeah, you guys are great. Yeah, <laughs> but there are some. And I felt like I wasn't getting the true story. And our state organization had had used to have a yearly convention and there was a luncheon called California Women in Photography. That's how rare it was to be a woman in the industry that they had to have a luncheon for us to be together. <laughs> and friends of mine from the local PPSDC chapter said, why don't we make this a monthly event? for us in San Diego. So a group of us started a, a monthly meeting for not just women photographers, because there were not very many of us, but also the spouses who were running the business. Oh. Um, and even some of the, you know, they weren't spouses, but they were the office assistants or the business managers. And we would share, like we had Forum day where we all made, let's say there were 20 of us in the group. We made 20 copies of our favorite form, shared it, and then everybody got a copy. Oh, that's so cool. Which was incredible. Or we had the conversation about where do you, what do you wear? Or um, I did a class once on, the, I, it was a certain kind of psychology of, I don't know if it was a sales or something, but at the time, I was in a lot of therapy, and I used some of those things to reveal some of the challenges that relate to artists, business women, and so forth. And so at the time, it was to help us all in our business. Then fast forward 15, 20 years, and the group said, you know what? The world has changed. We don't need to meet for business purposes all the time. Let's expand our creative avenues and so we we do things and it's still going and it was started 35 years ago that's and it's still going strong and um you know it had times when it shrunk and grew but now it's now we have a waiting list because we like to meet in each other's homes we like to meet and create um community so we could probably have 150 members, but we want it more intimate than that. So we've done gallery shows. We did a book. We've done charity projects. We, we do fun things like, um, have you ever seen ice? Um, you take a Pyrex pan and flowers or whatever you want to put in the ice put water, put the things in, semi-freeze it, put more water, freeze it, take it out, put it up in a window so light comes through and photograph it. Oh. Yeah. So everyone in the group is expected to um, bring something, to teach something. If 
if they're like, I don't know anything, it's like, go learn something, you know, like just that, figure out how we do that. We've done, um, this is waxed. So it's a photograph that I did light and then we painted color, I painted colored wax on it. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So we do all kinds of fun things. And um, a lot of my dearest friends are in that group. This Thursday, we're going to, um, we have a really nice aquarium in San Diego. And so I'm hosting that one. And our local camera store is uh, helping us with a contest. And so there's going to be assignments, um, different categories. One is funny face. Another one is there's something fishy going on. And then people will submit and will be judged and they'll get prizes from the camera store. So yeah. that is so cool. What yeah. What's your advice uh, to photographers who w- would want to start a group like that in their community? Hmm. I would say get some core people that, you know, are the doers like you mm-hmm. and um, that, I don't know, it find a need and then, and then start having regular meetings. Yeah. You know, it's sort of showing up as half of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What so along, along those lines, um, it has always sounded to me like some of the interactions in this group kind of, um, or maybe not in this group, but in other networking kind of things led to you becoming a coach. Uh, how in these situations, my, the second part of that question is, where do you draw the line? Like what's contributing to your community and where do you think this is something I need to charge for, or, um, Mm. this is something I need to hold back maybe with, with the coaching aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm somebody that if I learn something, I want to share it. Mm -hmm. I can't help it. And (laughs) if I see, like I, I have shared about this before, but, uh, like there's this wonderful couple that hauls junk. You know, they have a trailer and and the side of the trailer wooden thing says something about junk, you know, we'll haul your junk or something. And they become friends of mine because they walk their dogs and we we talk a lot. And I'm giving them like a whole coaching program <laughs> out in the middle <laughs> of the street when they didn't even ask. So it is just my nature. And I made a decision when I wasn't ready to do this as a money-making experience for me, because I, it just sharing, I I just love it. Um, But if someone contacted me and said, I'm wondering if you do mentoring, I gave them a couple of things that they had to do. One of them is they had to join the Professional Photographers of America they had to join and attend the local chapter. Um, I don't remember what the other things were at the time. And I would see people grow, but at the same time, they weren't growing as fast. And so years ago, it's maybe nine, I was at a workshop that was about setting goals. And um, I thought my goal was to grow my business where I was just fully booked all the time. And, and mainly one of my 
weaker spots in my business is is creating a team. I'm very independent. You know, I can do this myself. Mm. And I thought that that was going to be my goal was to create a team. And um, and at the end of the workshop, I wasn't on fire for anything. And my um, the the coach that was running the group asked me how it was doing because I just went outside and was enjoying the birds and different things. And I said, I feel like I need to be teaching and um, or mentoring, but I don't think I can afford to do that. And while I'm talking, I'm like <laughs> crying. And she basically said, first of all, people will learn more when you charge them enough mm. that it it's a stretch. Absolutely. Second, um, what's the second thing? The third is your heart won't be happy if you do this. Oh, second is is coaching can be financially rewarding if you do it right. And third, mm-hmm. your heart won't be happy if you don't do that. And so just like anything that I've ever done, I just said yes to it. Back in 82, when <laughs> I thought I might be a health practitioner, and when I was interviewed at the school, she said, we'd love to have you. But the truth is, you want to be a photographer. Wow. Because she asked questions like, what lights you up? And I wasn't saying, you know, watching somebody get strong and healthy and (sighs) pain. I was like, obviously talking about photography. So, um, and I just took that as a, I'm saying yes to this. And people in both cases said, Oh, you know, it's so competitive and it's so hard and all these negatives. And I, I believe in myself and I'm a person that if I'm fully committed to something, I'm going to make it happen, or at least I'm going to, I'm going to try my darndest. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. Did that answer your question? Yes, actually, because so Lucy and I met through uh, some of the Facebook groups that we're both in because I, um, Lucy gives a lot of free advice on the internet. Um, So follow her, join her group. Uh, But I remember I messaged her the one day and I was like, I don't know you, but I just wanted to tell you, I really appreciate everything that you say. Like it just clicks with me. That's when she said, I actually offer coaching. Would you like a, a free introductory call? And I kind of thought when you said that, like, well, she, she gives so much information in these comments, in these public groups, you know, what, what really is the value added signing up for the one-on-one thing? Mm. And, um, I very quickly, just from our first conversation, realized that your system is so extremely personalized. I'm going down the road trying to say that, uh, you were thinking about, well, if I can listen to podcasts and she's got advice online, why would I? Oh, because you were talking about, um, people learning more when you charge them, when the stakes are higher. Mm -hmm. Um, I got so much just from the accountability and, and the monthly bill being like, I've got to book somebody. I got to pay for Lucy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've talked about, uh, I paid for a whole year in like two sessions because Mm -hmm. I used what she taught me, but it, it sounds like you kind of coached yourself there in the beginning and told yourself like, this can be whatever I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's a great observation. So, yes, I. One of the things 
in coaching that I, I wish I was better at this, and maybe I am, and I just don't realize it, is helping people discover their own inner coach. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, okay, so what I'll say is sometimes when someone has a challenge, because I am a natural problem solver, my mind will start creating answers and solutions. And I'll forget they've got answers inside of them. And, you know, it's very helpful for people, yes. And at the same time, um, like my coach, and actually I'm interviewing her tomorrow, the first person, the woman that said, what else do you want to be? I coached with her one-on-one after that class for a year. She wasn't a photographer coach, and she is someone that uh, teaches sales. She has a book called Sales Coach Now. And I did not follow the path of her normal coaching clients. She was mostly a listener while I self-coached. And she was wise enough to know how to just let my ponies run and, you know, reel me back or or kind of steer me. So um, she could recognize when you needed a sounding board versus instructions. Yes, because she was fully qualified to be a life coach. It's just that she has a focus, just like I have a focus, you know, it's called the profitable photographer. And another one of my big time mentors that helped me learn how to run and be a business coach or coach, whatever kind of coach, he said, start with the business part and that life coach will just naturally come in because people who are doing something like creating a business and confronting rejection and you need to be self-motivated, all of those things come in. There's not like a formula where I go, here, do this exact thing. Mm -hmm. No matter what your attitude is, no matter your fears, no matter if you feel like a fake, no matter if you're a grouch, no matter if you're positive, just do this thing and you're going to be successful. But it doesn't work that way. You know, Mm -hmm. so much of who we are like wherever you go, there you are. And so learning to challenge your beliefs, like very frequently, I'm sure I did this with you at one point, fear often comes up. And I'll challenge somebody about like, you know, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? And we keep tracking back and back and back to something that's just like, oh, okay. And if that happens, then what? Oh, I think you asked me many times. Okay, well, so what happens if they do that? What happens if someone says you're too expensive? Yeah. Nothing. (laughs) They won't hire me. Okay. And if they don't hire you, you, then what? Well, then I won't get paid. Okay. And then if you don't get paid, then what? And mine, Kathleen, um, because I had done this for myself, was I would track all of the fear back to, and then I'll be a bag lady. But I was at a conference one time, and I think I think we were doing like a one-on-one at roundtables of a prompt, you know, like talk about your fear or something. And I said, and then I'll be a bag lady. Then I realized, oh, and if that happened, I'll handle that too. I know whatever comes up, I'll handle it. You know, we've we've talked about this a lot, and I've shared this on the the show about 
finding a giant tumor in my face behind my in yeah. my sinus. Talk about worst case scenario. Yeah. And eventually, well, worst case would have been that it wasn't benign. Um, right. But I have, I had to have brain surgery and I still have discomfort from the incision ear to ear, um, but I'm handling it. And, you know, so uh, was that a bunny trail? Yes and no. Anyway, yes, I have confidence in myself. Yeah. So what was it like deciding, I guess, or acknowledging that you had the confidence and knowledge to confidently coach other people? Mm -hmm. You know, well, first of all, the first thing I always do is I go find education. Mm -hmm. So I checked out books from the library. I downloaded things. I Um, there's a woman named Debbie Allen, not the dancer, who is like, if anybody wants to get into this space of uh, making income from your expertise, um, her business is called the Highly Paid Expert, I think. Okay. Highly Paid Expert. And she does workshops where it's like the ABCs of like, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And, and in the middle of it, she also gave some how to be a coach options, but then, you know, I just studied and learned. And there was this part of me, just like when I realized being a photographer was something I could make happen. It, it just as I looked at my nature and that I've always done this. Mm-hmm. Um, a quote I wrote down when I was in my 20s, thinking about, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And um, I was working at a children's store at the time, probably. And the quote is, in order to find your path, watch what your hand falls to naturally and keep doing that. And so in the the I'm going to be a coach, I looked at what my nature is. And I love running groups. I mean, one of the (laughs) preacher's kid benefits or curses is that we get in a lot of like Sunday school groups and they expect us to be the facilitators a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I had natural training for that. And, you know, my dad was basically a coach, a spiritual coach. For people. And um, so it just felt like a natural fit. And, you know, there's no harm in trying it. I didn't give up photography. I just added that. And then, and then I learned. And also I'm a big believer in watching what falls your way and picking it up. And so, you know, books or people you meet, things like that. And it just, it fell into place. And I, I went to, actually, was this the online? No, I went to Las Vegas. Uh, the first half of the week, I was at the WPPI photography convention. And then there was a podcast convention. And so one of the classes there was talking about how to be a good interviewer. And Kathleen, I was pretty proud of myself listening. (laughs) I realized, yeah, I do that. I I do. We can always get better, of course, but um, somehow, you know, just just by trying and doing and trying to get better at everything, I'm 
you know, I'm a person that grows. So that's the story. And I'm sticking to that. I love that. With one of the things that was really affirming about coaching too, was, um, you know, I would tell you kind of my secret fears or concerns or the issues I was having with my business. And you'd say, I hear that from a lot of people Mm. and just kind of normalizing, like you were saying about the groups, a lot of times we're in these conversations where people aren't being honest or aren't being vulnerable. And so coaching was an opportunity to kind of get a window into what other people are thinking too. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some of the recurring um, pieces of advice that you end up giving to your clients? Gosh, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, feel the fear and do it anyway is, you know, a mantra of mine. And I pass that on. Um, People take things so personally, Mm. like we're a kid and we're saying, I made this for you. Do, Do you like it? And then if you don't respond, then I take it as there's something wrong with me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And so one of the things I talk about a lot and I help people get over is is that your work and whether someone wants it or not has nothing to do with you and your value as a human or as an artist. It's a product. And if I found someone who likes the product I create, and they decide to buy it, it's a business decision. It's not an affirmation that I am a worthy person to draw breath on this planet. That's really good, heavy stuff, though, because I think when your business is just you, um, it's really, I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge is not making it all personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that either the imposter syndrome you know, people say that a lot. It's it's the good enough. I'm not good enough. And the truth is, most people who are very, very profitable are not creating incredible art and selling it to their day-to-day portrait clients. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to be award-winning, magnificent, internationally famous photographers to be creating photographic products that people treasure. And even though I've been around a while, so I've popped into some people's houses on occasion that I photographed, you know, 25 years ago, and I see the images in their wall and they're like, oh, I just love that. And I'm like, and, and I took the picture and I'm like, oh, I'm so I don't. <laughs> I'm thinking, Oh my God, <laughs> did I do that? But but for them, you know what? So this is the other side of the of the coin of this is we're not selling ourselves. We're selling their love back to themselves. It's kind of an unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, show me what you value most. I'm going to take a picture of it. And then you're going to give me money for that picture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cheating. So, <laughs> so if we trust and know, you can trust and know it's not about us at all. Now, yes, the third side of that coin is they really are buying us. 
in terms of the decision they make that um, it's it's a lonely world out there and people love to be served people love to have relationships even the even the more introverted people um, and so that time they get to be with us and be noticed by us I mean nothing feels better than to have somebody really really see you right mm-hmm. and when we're photographing if it's family portraits or executive portraits or, you know, whatever. As photographers, we're taking the time to see them. And then we're recording what we see. And then they get to see what we see. Yes. My favorite reaction at a reveal is when someone looks at the portrait and says, that looks like me. And Mm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, oh, I look fat. Oh, I'm so wrinkly. Oh, that's a pretty picture, but that's me. That's mm-hmm. how I see myself. And we get to do that. <laughs> yeah, we do. One of the most surprising things for me, um, I think about our coaching was when you were like, oh, have we done personal branding yet? Just kind of offhand. And I was like, uh, no. And you, you kind of, I saw your face change, like your voice, you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, I love doing so, this. Tell us about uh, your strategy for for building a personal brand. Okay. Personal brand is about finding the essence of you and then communicating it in a way that your ideal clients will respond to. And because there's only one of us in the whole world, the the path to personal branding starts with a deep um, introspective process at least the way that I do it, and a craft project and asking people that know you and care about you some key questions. So the first thing I do is have you create what I call an identity map. And you get magazines, all kinds of magazines, and clip out what visually grabs you. Not This is not a, um, a dream board. Not a vision board. No, you're not picking your trip to Hawaii and those things. You're just something you're just like, oh, I like that. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, I like that. Gluing it on a board. And it's important that it's actually physically done because the way you position them, even the way you cut out the pictures and how you lay them out, it tells me graphically a lot. And in that, every single person that's done that has a completely unique color palette and there's textures and there's design elements. So like yours, and you see your beautiful banner in the back, We, uh, it was so clear that there were these high-end tropical colors that you loved and you love leaf things. And I have... Uh, my clients clip out um, words and and phrases that they like the look of, not fonts, but but graphic design using letters. And then I'm not the graphic artist, but you can take that to an artist and you've got visuals. Okay, at the same time, I do this uh, little visualization where we go back to your childhood and some other questions, and we we kind of unearth the essence of who you are that you've always been and always will be which it was so emotional um 
which I hadn't expected. So <laughs> like, so you'd be like, are you there on the phone? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just crying. <laughs> <laughs> one of my clients, because um, one of the questions is about your favorite book. And she realized, because she already had a really strong style with, with um, doing some art photography of pets. And she realized her creative style was an homage to the book series she loved when she was a kid. And she didn't realize it till this process. Okay, so we do this cool process. And out of that, I help you kind of reclaim, remember, um, re-energize who you are, because that's who people experience Mm -hmm. and always have and always will. And then I have you ask to post to describe you in three words and not things you could say about all of us, like she's creative, but something deeper. And so out of that blossoms this, um, this core uh, material to understand yourself so you can understand who or how to have people realize who you are. Does that make sense? I mean, I know it makes sense. Did I explain it in a way that? I think so. So what, what Lucy had me post was kind of, I'm working with a business coach. We're working on my brand identity. I'm, I'm looking for what are three words you would use to describe me is the gist of, of what I posted. Mm -hmm. And it really was surprising how many people, um, come into the same things. It was really affirming and encouraging and, um, surprising, uh, great confidence booster, but it, it was something that I never would have done just out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's funny is both of those, the two of the activities were just things that came to me. Be open to things and let your light shine, 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 you know, trust that you have so much more in you than you can possibly imagine. And it's an endless well of creativity and giving and heart and all that good stuff. And and those are the things that make us unique so that even when you are in a neighborhood with five other photographers, like I am, Mm -hmm. um, you can stand out and find the clients that are, that you can serve the best. Right. Right. The thing is too. So now if I wanted a high volume studio, Mm-hmm. Then I would take that part of me that I know is always going to come through with everything I do. And I would use words and colors and textures and design that appealed and communicated. This is on the budget side, or you can take it and be super luxurious or you can go somewhere in the middle. So um, yeah. And colors oh, I just love the meanings of colors. Colors have meaning. Combinations of colors have meaning. Tones of colors together. And that's where a really good graphic artist who has studied branding can take information like we've talked about and turn it into something that doesn't look like anyone else's. So, yeah. But at the same time, I think one of the people that's been on this show has said, we're not Coca-Cola. We don't have to have the absolutely perfect branding yeah. to be successful. I I 
was between branding for a long time and still was working. This is pre pre internet, but I was working all the time. But I have to say, then when I did the branding journey and got my logo and my colors and my whole concept, like instantly when people would call me, they'd already seen it and they were almost always at least half sold. So I saw the difference, but Mm -hmm. I still had a thriving business when my branding wasn't that great. So, yeah. What surprised you about your interactions with your coaching clients? Mm. That's what we've already talked about. What surprised me? What surprises me at first is how willing people are to share so deeply, so quickly. Mm. Well, and I think you need to give yourself credit for that because you create a very welcoming environment. I felt very comfortable sharing with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've just been tickled by watching people, especially when they like one thing that that I have gotten more clear about is my sales process and Mm -hmm. that concept that, you know, well, the trusted advisor and that I didn't realize that that's what I've always done photographically is get people to know and like and trust me and let me be in charge, you know, and relax into my leadership. And that my step-by-step system and a few little secret sauces in the sales room, um, that that structure is teachable. And (laughs) the people who have done like remarkably well right off the bat often are people who haven't done sales at all. And so they don't have any resistance. They just do exactly this. Uh, One of my clients, he didn't even have a business when we started. And I had him do free work to build his portfolio. Um, I think sometimes, oftentimes, it's better to work for free and practice sales. And sure, if they want to buy something, great, but give them something. than having, oh, definitely than doing shoot and share model. Anyway, his first actual sale would have been $4,000, but we hadn't gotten to the point of how to close a sale. Wow. So it still was $2,000. His first one. And and he would admit they were not, you know, they were good sellable photographs. They weren't like the most, most uh, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And in his portfolio, he definitely has work that was stronger in his portfolio, but it was just two women and their dogs and they loved the dogs and they loved the pictures. And he's just a wonderful young man. So they loved him. And they, so they paid, it was 2000. And then they also prepaid another session, something like $800 towards the next wow. session. Cause he didn't know what he didn't know. So he just did the thing. <laughs> So it, that's this is funny because that was going to be another question I wanted to ask is, uh, you know, I've talked to people who say like, well, I haven't done enough to hire a coach. Like I would be embarrassed. I've got nothing to show. I have I, my business isn't established. And you just told the perfect antidote as to why it's awesome to just go ahead and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had many clients where we just started from scratch and they didn't even know what they wanted to do. And then we began to unearth what they loved and what they're already kind of thinking about and 
then I've worked with them on both their photography and their brand, of course, and how to sell it and how to find people that want that. So, um, but everybody's just so different, but there's some consistent, you know, the fear of failure or overwhelm. I didn't realize I wasn't the only one that felt overwhelmed all the time. I think in general, that is so common in our industry. Okay. So I know that people have a lot of objections to hiring a coach. Probably usually I can't afford it to which I would say you can't not afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, but are there situations where you tell people like, you know, I agree with you. Maybe you're not in a good place or ready for a coach right now. Mm -hmm. Like what? (laughs) I was going to try to psych you out and just say, (laughs) so if someone doesn't have the time to devote or they're not really all in, Mm -hmm. nobody really feels like they have the time, but there are people who don't. Um, you know, their life circumstance is such that they just are either not able or not willing to devote the time to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one, I would consider this a very successful coaching session where we spent a fun six months together. Um, I taught him, you know, the the program, the sales, and we talked about marketing. And this was a person that had a tech job that he really enjoyed. But he also loved photography. And near the end, he told me, Lucy, this has been so great because what I've learned is I don't want to run a photography business. I want to be an artist and I love my other job. And so it was successful from his standpoint. Um, So, you know, sometimes our, our passion can be our passion if we have something else that serves us well. But what I think is all forms of education are always worth it because number one, it grows our brains. It grows our awareness of the world. With my business coach that I already mentioned, at the end of our period, I was in no way near where I wanted to be eventually, but that foundation was so solid then like it's a it's like a ripple in a pond the impact just keeps rippling and rippling so you just never know what any form of education is doing to help change who you are and your knowledge base Mm. yeah we're almost out of time what else you got why did you start the podcast Okay, so I did say this is the 200th episode at the beginning. Yes. Okay. (laughs) 200, congratulations. Yeah, so I started becoming a guest on podcasts. It started with Charles Lewis years ago before, you know, when I was mentoring as a service to the world and the reward was the joy of helping people, which is still the joy. Anyway, I started to see that a great way for people to know about me as a coach, was to be on a podcast. So I went to this big workshop where it was about getting on shows, teaching you how to do it. Um, There were 40 podcasters there. 
and 100 people that were pitching their shows. But during that week, the, his name is Steve Ulsher. He said to me, and also there were a lot of, there were like pre-classes and after classes. And he would say, Lucy, I think you need a show. I really think you need a show. And I was like, Steve, you're trying to sell me your stuff, aren't you? Because <laughs> he, you know, he's a producer of shows too. And he's like, I just know that this is something that you would be really good at. And then coincidentally, on my way home from that, which it was in Florida, WPPI was starting at the end of that event. So I just parachuted off the plane over Las Vegas instead of going all the way to San Diego. (laughs) Anyway, I changed my ticket and I went to WPPI. And there was a little group of people that I knew well, professionally. And I asked a couple people, should I have a podcast? And they said, 100%, absolutely. There's no voice like yours. A woman that's been around a long time, you know, there is a need for what you offer. And another person just said like, oh, hell yeah. And, you know, I got those threes, things come in threes and... So I put it together because I always have loved a good conversation and I've always been able to pull out a lot from people in a conversation Mm -hmm. because I'm so curious. I'm curious about (laughs) everything, you know? So, yeah. And then, you know, first of all, it's a labor of love right now. I'm paying for the production and someday soon I'm going to start soliciting for sponsors but basically it's a gift I'm giving and yes, I get rewards back and hopefully there's some people listening to this show that would like to take me up on uh, one of my free uh, strategy sessions to help you dig deep into your dreams and some challenges. For me, I kept having the same conversations in real life and on the internet. And I thought I want to have this conversation with everybody at once. And so uh, the podcast kind of gives me a way to do that. And I think it sounds like it gives you a way to to coach the world. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so happy that like in 85 countries, people are tuning in. So that's amazing. I had a, a mentor that told me, Lucy, someday you're going to be doing what I'm doing worldwide. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and then when I noticed that this was in like 20 countries, going back in the first four, five months, I was like, Oh, I'm worldwide. worldwide. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I, I don't like, I love supporting other people. And I don't think as much about the fact that by having other coaches and teachers and mentors and, and just darn smart people, I'm helping them get their message out to the world too. So it's just a good fit. So, so You've had 200, so I know it's going to be hard. Um, But what are your favorite episodes? Oh, gosh. Which ones come to mind? Okay, Arthur Rainville. Okay. It's all about creativity. This is a man with the biggest heart in the world. Um, Jeffrey Shaw, I had to split it into two Mm -hmm. because it was so good. And my dear friend who passed away a year and a half ago, maybe, it was during COVID times, not from COVID. She 
we knew she was terminal with cancer. And she was one of the first people I got on my show because her wisdom, her passion, her creativity, her strength as a human being, the way she inspires others, I wanted that documented. And hopefully that lives on for all time. So those are those are three um, that come to mind. Yeah, well, that is, man, we have had a good long conversation. And I don't know why I was nervous. You did such a good job, Ms. Kathleen. Well, thank you for handing over the reins. Um, I can't wait to share this with everybody and uh, for your audience to get to learn a little bit more about you. So if there's one thing, and maybe I already asked it, but one thing that was the most powerful lesson for you. So the most powerful about coaching? Or our relationship or just something, you know, it could have come from you, not not from us, but something that has really impacted you in this relationship. Uh, well, Lucy and I have a special relationship. If you know um, me, I call her my future self. We got to bond as mentor-mentee, but we've got a sisterhood too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was so affirming to hear that I wasn't alone in Mm. all of my fears and insecurities. I think like through the coaching process, I, you gave me your whole business system and we worked on all of that, but it also was very much a life coaching kind of thing. And um, I gave a friend advice a while back. And she said, is this from your photographer friend? Because (laughs) she always gives the best advice. And I was like, yeah. Um, (laughs) So I think there were kind of some overarching themes of the conversations that we have had that changed the way I approach challenges and the Mm. way I think of myself. I think uh, I'm a lot gentler with myself. Mm. I think I, you've helped me work to look at myself objectively, like from the outside. And I've given myself a more generous, a, more, a gentler space to be right. in. Yeah. Yeah. We sense? have to be our best friends. We're the one person that will never leave us. Yeah. And um, there's this part of us that's, they call it the silent witness that, you know, our thoughts are what create emotions and reactions mm-hmm. and actions and we're always free to change those thoughts. But we have to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. So if we're noticing, I guess this would be like, if I could say one thing I'd like people to ponder um, is cultivating that witness. Like if you have a yucky feeling, see if you can track back to when it started. And then coach yourself out of that or change your thought on it. Like if there's somebody that all of a sudden you're mad and you realize, oh, because that person uh, took my place in line at the grocery store. I've I've had that where I'm like all of a sudden and then I notice, what was I? Why do I feel so yucky? Oh, because that happened. And, and then I release them and allow that and know that it, it just didn't matter. And maybe there's some force that was trying to slow me down so that I could run into a friend or avoid an accident or something. So, yeah. yeah. And that kind of concept, I think, is why I'm choosing words like generous and gentle, approaching problems with the most generous possible spirit. So, yes. Yes. 
what what's what are these clients motives are they trying to get one over on me no they're probably just asking a question like in the facebook groups it comes up a lot somebody will be like somebody asked for a military discount what do i do do i have to give them a military discount and <laughs> as a military spouse i know like no i just i'm i'm asking because some people give one yeah but you can just say no yeah i get it that you realize we're at choice of how we react and we need to be conscious of of how we're reacting and being gentler. I love that gentler with ourselves and others Mm -hmm. working to, to let go of judgment and just be in the present of what is, and the things don't always mean what we think they mean. So anyway, well, we're way over time. I hope some people have listened to the end, but you know, (laughs) we could talk a lot and we are going to, because we're going to meet up for a little vacation soon. Yeah. Oh, thank you so, so much. And so again, how do people get in touch with you if they have questions? So I am Kathleen Kent Photography on Facebook and Instagram, and also the Household Six podcast. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. Ta-ta for now. All right. Bye, Lucy. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.